I was waiting for Jordan to jingle the, the bells, so there we go. Uh, <laughs> our guest today is Caleb Shomo, who uh, that is me. Who I was just saying to, uh, well, I was about to explain to Jordan how I knew you, but now that you're here, um, we can talk about that. So I think the first time we we communicated was a bunch of years ago for either Band Happy or the Entertainment Institute. I don't remember which one it was, but it was it, Warped I, Tour. Yeah, Warped Tour 2014, I want to say. Which would have been Band Happy stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember because I, I did like a production thing. So I brought like a little rig out and I uh, just like broke down like in my DAW, like how I build songs basically. And yeah, it was sick, man. But yeah, that was, yeah. that was what, six years ago now? Jeez, dude. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. And I remember it's funny because, um, you know, obviously I've talked to you and I've talked to Thomas, uh, your manager over the oh, past, yeah. you know, bunch of months. But it was just, it was crazy because when I reached out to him a couple months back, I was trying to remember like when he and I communicated last and it was, I think it was right, it was because of that. And I had thought it was like a year before and I didn't realize how how long it had been a gap, you know, how long that, how big yeah. that gap was between then. Um, but then... I saw you at, we did, was it Rock on the Range or one of those Midwest festivals together a couple years after that. And then, yep. um, and then I saw you recently, we played a festival together in uh, California. We did self-help together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was great. So it's, it's, so Jordan, uh, we've known each other through music education and our respected bands and mutual just love and adoration and respect for what we both do, I guess. So at least oh, I yeah. think I don't That's want to speak for you to but. put it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yes, it is definitely reciprocated, man. I remember we played, uh, I want to say it was somewhere in like Florida or one of the Carolinas, maybe it was Carolina rebellion. But, uh, do you remember that year that it got like rained out and we all ended up hanging out in that little like safe house thing. And, yep. uh, we, you guys got to play. Because I remember watching you guys. Yeah. And we, we got canned. But uh, I remember that was like the first time I really hung out with Periphery in general. I think like on a general more hang basis. But it, it was great, man. And yeah. you guys just, it's a great live band. Big fan. Thank you, man. Well, likewise, um, I've always been been into what, what you do. Um, and this project for you, I mean, definitely, and, and for the band is just like, Take, taken off it seems like um, <laughs> it's yeah you know? it's been doing all right man it's not yeah. bad uh, despite despite the craziness in the world um you know i think the the reputation for Beartooth is is pretty great and you know it's funny one of the things that always stood out to me was uh the name and we don't need to you know we don't need to go that go deep down that that rabbit hole but I just thought it was such a good fucking name. Dude, I appreciate that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's literally a two-second story. Everybody thinks we have there's some meaning to it. Our base our old our original bass player, Nick, uh, still a great friend of mine. He grew up on Beartooth Court. Just put the two words together. There, there it, is. it is. But cool. hey, it's easy to Google. You know, that's a big thing. You well, get our band was... or or you get like a motorcycle event. And that's about it. So I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And you know what, Matt? 
I actually, uh, I knew that. I did my uh, three and a half minutes of research today going to Beartooth yeah. Wikipedia, uh, there which we is go. there. Um, but Caleb, I, I want to share my uh, introduction to you and your band. I think one of the things that yeah, has been fun for me, uh, knowing Matt and, and, and doing projects like this, this, this podcast, is uh, what I would consider like, quote, scene music, uh, you know, post-hardcore, uh, emo, pop-punk, uh, things like that. Uh, I haven't really existed in those cultures uh, in a very active way since maybe the mid-2000s. Yeah. Um, but one of the bands that I have just kind of stuck with would always see on tour annually uh, was Every Time I Die. Oh, dude. And, uh, and so they did, a, they did a, they are, and they did a run uh, supporting you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I believe you guys may have had a theme song on one of those uh, WWE NXT pay-per-views yeah. as well. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So I, that may have been the first time I heard the name, and then when I saw you guys were taking every time I die out, I kind of put that together. Uh, so seeing you guys perform uh, what I believe was a sold-out show at Baltimore Soundstage was my first experience of you. What was really cool, I have a, a, a younger cousin who I've, I've given some guitar lessons to as she grew up. Uh, she's like a fucking Beartooth fan uh, to the yeah. point where <laughs> she brought her dad to like, uh, you know, uh, you know, like be the dad in the back for her at the show. So I was like, all right, yeah. like, someone I know, someone I know fucks with this band. And when I watched you guys, it was like, holy shit. I knew you headlined. I knew it sold out. But like the merch was on point. The production was on point. The stage presence was on point. I was like, this is a band who knows what the fuck they're doing. Hey, man, I appreciate that very greatly. Very greatly. Um, I mean, it's just been... A lot of years of rocking and just trying to put on a good show, man. I mean, I love making records, don't get me wrong, but the live show is what I think is like the biggest part of our band. And uh, always nice to hear that, man. Thank you so fucking much. It means the world. And yeah. I remember that and show. Could, that was a wild show, too. Love that venue. Yeah. And I felt that because, look, uh, bands create culture. I think the most successful bands create community. And when I was at your show, uh, of course, there were people like me who were like the every time I die fans, uh, but everyone stayed and like you guys, it felt like it felt like a community. It felt like a safe environment and felt like people were in it to be with each other uh, in the experience of Beartooth. Uh, and sometimes you don't get that sense, uh, even if it's a headline band at a show like that. Hey, well. Uh, that is greatly appreciated, man. And I think that might have been one of the few nights that everybody stayed after every time I die. Because I don't know if you know what it's like to play after that band. But Jesus Christ, it is not fucking easy. They are literally one of the craziest live bands in the world. But uh, yeah, I'll never forget that tour. That was our first time doing like a big, you know, we'd done like one headliner, one headliner prior. And it was in, you know, 300 cap rooms four or five hundreds maybe and then um but that was like the tour where you know we started playing some house of blues getting into that like 700 to 1200 kind of range and i mean just talking about on the subject of every time i die i was still like we couldn't fucking believe that we got them to the uh, tour uh because they're one of my favorites of all time uh just amazing band great people maybe the best live hardcore band of all time. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're so right. It's just like that tour felt 
just community. It was just good vibes, good people. Um, everybody just getting up there playing loud as hell and having a good time. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I will never forget that tour. And I'm glad you saw it because, man, that was a fucking fun one. I was glad too, man. Um, I think ahead, I think you tried to, or you guys invited me down that night, and I don't I don't know if I was around or if I was on tour two at that time. I don't even remember what it was, but I remember Justin uh, and Caleb just seen you know, Justin is Jordan's brother, who normally is also with us on the podcast, but he couldn't make it mm. today. Um, yeah, which he's he might be a bigger Every Time I Die fan than Jordan is, and uh, <laughs> and he's also like he's like. A legit Baratooth fan as well, so oh, yeah. he was he was bummed he couldn't make it today. But um, oh man! But I think he he I don't know invited me down and I couldn't go and I remember being bummed about it. But um, yeah. you know it's interesting. I don't think there's any act. It's not an accident that you guys are doing really well and that you do have all of the sort of um, eyes dotted and the T's crossed. Every time that I've hung out with you guys. Um, or seen you live or communicated with Matt, with your manager or anybody in the band, I, I always get the same sort of sense of professionalism, um, which is which is kind of rare across the board. I think the guys. I was going to say, with, other than Tom, I'm surprised, but uh, I'll take that. <laughs> Tom's very professional. I am not so much, but I do. I try. don't know, man. I I think you are. I definitely think you are. I mean, you know. I, what I was just going to say too is it, it comes off professional without being um, in your face, if that makes sense. Because yeah. it, you guys are laid back and very cool and very down to earth. But I think that it, it's evident to me that there's like a, a professional aspect. And I always have thought that you guys, everybody in the band is really good at the networking side of it. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that probably just has to do with the fact that you're all just easy to get along with and you're good people. Um, I appreciate but, but yeah, I mean, it, even, even the guys in the band who, you know, it's funny, I haven't talked to any of them as much as I've talked to you, but in the chances that I've had to communicate with them, it's always been really pleasant. And it's always left like a, like, you know, a thought of like, wow, I really like those guys. Like, <laughs> I hope we get to tour together. I hope we get to play shows, to, more shows together at yeah, some point, yeah. you know? Well, dude, I appreciate that, man. I mean, it, it really is, like, to me, such an important part of the band and of just my job in general and, like, being in this business is, because, I mean, after so many years, you just get sick of the, like, classic, like, nice guy asshole where they're, like, clearly they're like managers or bands or whatever it is where, you know, they're nice to you if they think there's something to gain. And if there's nothing to gain, then they just could give a fuck. And I've always hated that. And I thought it was so dumb. And I don't know, it's just not the way I function. And I think good people should just meet good people and have a good time. And it, it's that simple. Yeah. And, you know, so like down to, getting our crew where we have it, getting the lineup where we got it. I mean, it's it's really just been years of like, I don't know, just kind of finding the right people. But now, man, I, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier with the gang, with the band. Like, the whole unit is, uh, is real solid. And especially the team, like management, you know, Tom is incredible. Other manager, Brett's incredible. Uh, Dave Shapiro is our booking agent who is... He's the only person I've been with since the very, very beginning of my music career in like 2007 or eight. So he um, did, did he do Attack Attack too? 
Yeah, yeah. So okay. he did attack, and then he stuck around uh, for Beartooth. But just people like that, I mean, that's who I want to be involved with, is just good people that yeah. – it's like if we all just help each other – get become better people and become better musicians and enjoy ourselves like that's all it needs to be i i yeah. i'm so so far anti the like be a dick until you get what you want kind of thing because it's yeah. like yeah that can work out for maybe like a tour for like you get a good guarantee and the headliner is like well fuck we really want this band i guess we'll just deal with them but they're being dicks and then you're never going to tour with that band again it's just like it can just be simple. It's like, we're yeah. all going to go out. We're all going to have a good time. I don't know. Rambling, yeah, and, but and yeah, it's, it's very important to me. Yeah, good. And I mean, I, I sense that it's, it should be, um, I, because of that, like that mentality too. I don't think like, I can't remember a, a time in the past, at least five years where we've had a bad tour because of the people that we choose to have around. And it's just that mentality. Um, and yeah. you know, talking about, your team, you know, I, like, again, Tom is so easy to work with. Um, I don't know if I've ever worked with Brett, but Dave, obviously, I've done a bunch of stuff oh, yeah. with, you know, and he's like, he's a legend in the business. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's no, um, it's no surprise that these guys yeah. not only are successful, but it's just, you, you maintain those good relationships because they're just good people. You know, yeah, so. it just makes you want to work with those people. It's never it like a dread when you see that call or that email. It's always like, oh, fuck, yeah, what can we do to help each other out? Yep. That simple. No, that's awesome. Well, I, I, I'm glad because obviously there's stuff that, uh, you know, I'm obviously, I don't want to go too far down this road either. But, you know, when I reached out to you about some stuff with Get Good Drums. Oh, yeah. I, um, I, was, I was excited just because I know you as a person. I know you're a good dude. I didn't ever think like, oh, I, I, like I wonder if he'll, if he'll give us the time of day. We're some small company, and like I don't know, you know. I I approached yeah. it more like, hey, I'm gonna hit you up as a friend, see if you're interested in doing this stuff, and you know, it's it's working out. So um, yeah, I'm just great. glad that I'm glad that we've been able to find ways to continue to do stuff. And it's funny, man. The people that I continue to talk to, or reach out for the podcast, or try to just do shit with all <clears throat> usually stem from the experience that I had with them through the band happy days of like yeah. getting people on board with that, knowing, cause you know, th there were a lot of artists who I communicated with during that time who really, and, and I'm not faulting them, but it just, in some ways it said a lot about them um, who yeah. just didn't really get what it was about, like the importance of, you know, giving back the importance of creating another opportunity for the fans and for yourself, looking at it mm -hmm. from sort of a, a, I don't know, just like a, a, a new perspective. And it, yeah. the people who really got it are like the people who I found that I also connected with and was able to have good conversations with and just maintain good relationships. And I think you're one of those people. And there's, there's a bunch of other great people too, that, that, you know, you know, that you're friends with also oh, yeah. just mutual Absolutely. friends and, it's nice that there was a common, a common thread there, you know? Yeah. Well, dude, I um, mean, that was such a fucking cool thing. I mean, even just for a quick little blip, like for me to be able to do something <clears throat> that was like, like how often do kids get to look at a full, you know, Cubase breakdown of a session and get to talk about like what it's like to make a song and, ha and literally being right there, like yeah. face to face. 
And it was usually, you know, only like, I think tops, it was maybe like seven people. So I felt like it was always a really personal thing. And it, um, I don't know. I just, I know like when I was a kid and being a music fan, that would have been the absolute coolest shit in the world. So I just, I love that idea. And I was so glad I got to be a part of it. No, that's all. Well, I'm glad you did, man. It, it, it certainly helped, uh, I think paved the way for a lot of people. Like obviously the company isn't around anymore, but I mean, now more than ever, people are sharing on Twitch. They're, you know, offering online lessons. They're, they're creating a lot of, you know, independent opportunities for, for fans and they're following to, to get involved with what they're yeah. doing. Um, and I don't think it, it's not because of that, but I think it helped to make those things become more accessible by having people like you willing to offer those kinds of services, those kinds of opportunities, um, which yeah. is actually a good, it's, so it's a good kind of segue, I think, into what is going on right now. And, um, I, one of the themes that we've had over the past bunch of months with the podcast has just been kind of getting everybody's take on how they've been able to approach this, this pandemic and what they're doing from, you know, an individual perspective. Not everybody that we have on is in a band, um, or as a musician, but we try to work with different creatives and different professionals in their own right. And that, that's one of the things that we like to talk about. So I'm just curious, uh, in any direction, whether it's just like personal growth or, you know, uh, professionally, what what you've been doing and how you've been sort of approaching this time, and if it's you know shaped uh, shaped you in a different mold in any way. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I mean, to start it off, we got insanely, insanely lucky with the timing of everything. Um, and I know that, you know, we are one of the few that yeah. got away with it the way we did. But, you know, we finished our last tour of our record cycle uh, in Europe. The last show was like March 6th. And then yeah, everything we, it, shut down. Yeah, so I don't like, want to cut, cut you off. We, we finished February 16th. So dude, it, yes. we got lucky, too. So like, yeah. I so remember like we, you get it. We talked, you and I talked about this a little bit, I think when we hopped yeah. on the phone before, but yeah. Okay. So yeah, keep going. But it, so yeah, we, we get, we get done March 6th already <clears throat> had like planned for all this time off. You know, we like saved up a bunch of money with the business to like be able to cover salaries and cover, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and it was like, all right, this is just time to make a record. We're going to take some real time off, which we haven't done in a long time. And I mean, I flew home and what, a few days later, everything was just over. It was done. And I saw all these people, you know, putting out records and going out on or having these tours lined up and it's all just like getting shut down. And um, so I, I feel terrible for all those people, but I will not, you know, I cannot say anything, but I, we are extremely blessed. Like we got lucky, super, super lucky and kind of got away with it. So you know, for me, I was already working on an album on the road. Um, I had, I think, like 14 songs, like a bunch of ideas. Uh, I, like, started touring a little rig and writing out there, which I'd never done before, and I fell in love with it. So I got a huge head start on the record anyway, which is cool. But then, you know, it, it's it been a lot of up and down. It's been, 
you know, those few weeks where I'm just like, I can't stop. And I'm just song after song and I'm working in the studio and I'm feeling really, really good about everything. And then I'll have those weeks where there's just nothing at all. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I have no creative energy, nothing like that. So um, I don't know. But the main thing that I've been taking from this is uh, like, honestly, I'm sure a lot of people are saying this, uh, especially in the touring world, but learning to not not take uh, shit for granted, like take tours for granted, take, you know, any of it for granted, because, you know, I couldn't wait to get off tour. We had been touring for so long. And just generally speaking, I myself haven't taken like a real break, like a long break since the beginning of Beartooth, even before the beginning of Beartooth, since probably like the second Attack Attack record. It's just always been going constantly. It's either I'm yeah. working on records for other bands if Attack had time off. Um, I was working on Beartooth stuff when I was still in Attack Attack and then that was over. Then Beartooth started and it was just like, go, 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 go. And, you know, there's a lot of times where I felt overwhelmed and like, man, I could really use some time away. And then this happens and I'm like, it's just a lot of reality sets in of like how important it is to have a stable job and to have just, I don't know, income in like a routine that keeps you sane and, you know, all these little things. So, um, I don't know. That's that's what I've been trying to focus on and just from a personal aspect. But from a work aspect, it's been kind of cool because I've never had this much time and freedom to make a record. There's always just the way we, we don't stop. You know, there's always something else on the books constantly. There's always tours. I mean, we have tours booked two years from now. You know what I mean? We're just always ready to roll. And now with everything shut down, I've had nothing to do but really focus on this album and like instead of okay we got a deadline uh it's got to be done by this time or we're done in the studio at this point like i just invested some more money into my home studio uh got it up to where i wanted it and i've just been working and that's been a really cool thing to be able to just completely like check out from any time or any worry or anything like that and just work and just write and I mean, at this point, what I have like 16 song, I have like 16 songs now that I'm like all of these I want on the record. So it's which is rare. Usually it's, you know, I know these 10 are great. These few we got a couple and these will probably be B sides. So like I've had a lot more time to kind of dial in tracks and dial in mixes and just really work on my craft because I haven't had this much time to just sit in a studio and practice you know even things like i'll have buddies just be like uh, if you got a song like i'll just mix it for free just like shoot me some stems like just so i can run some reps and just like remember what it's like to really get in that mix zone and you know busting out old amps that i haven't used in a while and um you know even doing that stuff like the get good stuff um yeah <clears throat> yeah. yeah it's just it's just been it's just been cool to kind of like get back to producing and like focus on that for a while. No, and what, I know Jordan has a, has something he wanted to say, but I was curious. So are you self producing, mixing all that stuff for this particular record? You're doing it yourself. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yep. So 
Yeah, like the last one, <coughs> disease. I I I've always self-produced. Um, yep. Self-produced them and then recorded them. But disease, I was like, oh, I want to do like the full big studio experience, and it was kind of like me trying to do the like analog record thing, really. I mean, I did a lot of it at Blackbird. I did a lot of it with Nick Raskalenix in mm-hmm. Nashville. And it was real. You know, that whole record, those are real drum takes. There's no samples on the record. They're, you know, real old vintage amps and real guitar takes and, like, all that stuff. Did you and did, it was, you, play, did you play drums on that record, too? I did, did, yeah. Okay, I thought so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I still play on, uh, I still play all the instruments on yep. everything. But, um, but it, and it was, like, it was great. Don't get me wrong. It was super cool. But uh, I don't know. I just kind of realized I was like, you know what? I learned. I really learned to do what I do in the box. Like that's, you know, I came up, uh, you know, my first real recording experience was Joey Sturgis, who's kind of like the godfather of a lot of modern, you know, recording and doing it in the box and whatnot. So I've I've really been diving back into that. And just trying to expand on what I know as opposed to, uh, you know, expanding on, like, getting all this crazy analog gear and all these consoles and trying to break my arm doing drum takes and stuff. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a really cool experience just getting back to that, like, back to the basics, back to everything I know and just writing and just having a good time doing it. That's badass, man. Caleb. Yeah. Caleb, I'm curious, and you're kind of, I think, freezing up a bit on Matt and I's end, but we're with no. it, and if the, if, you're, if your audio's rolling, like, we're fucking good. Okay, um, yeah, my, my DAW's rolling hard right now. Yeah, so. yeah, we're good, we're good. I'll go, um, so, you know, if, if I reference anything that, that you have said, that's the reason why. Um, no worries. But I'm curious, man, like, going back to, say, uh, March 1st, 2020, um, did you have, like, a sense of what you wanted uh, the year to be, uh, knowing that this was a significant time of uh, a break, in a sense, from from the touring life. Obviously, uh, making a record uh, was going to play into it, uh, but it seems like now you just have a lot more fucking time at home uh, really focusing on a record. But were there other things, even outside of music, that, that you had your eye on, uh, whether it was other people or hobbies uh, or business interests that you kind of, you know, were... Maybe, maybe very consciously prepping for uh, to to yeah. really yeah, spend time with over the spring and summer. Um, I mean to be honest, it, it really all I was focusing on was music. Was was focusing on the band and just you know getting that thing rolling because the original plan, you know, before all this happened, at least for me, like in my head and what I thought I wanted to do was because I got such a big start on the album on the road. I was like, I want to just put this thing out. Like, we take a bit of time off, tighten up all the screws, you know, and by, I mean, like, three, four months, and then right back. You know, we're touring summer, full tour. We're touring in the fall, headliner, whatever. And uh, that was what I was really prepping for. And then when it all happened and, you know, the tours started falling through and then everything kept getting pushed back. And then, you know, the record kept getting pushed back and all that. Um, I've been focusing a lot more on golfing for one. Uh, I'm an avid golfer have been for a long time. I saw, I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm really, really into golf, but 
that which has honestly been really good for me because to me what I love about golf is I feel like it's the one place in the world where I'm not thinking about music or I'm not thinking about something with business. Um, it's just like all I'm thinking about is being out on the course and hitting the shot. That's that's it. And nothing else can do that for me. Like, check me out that far. So um, I've been doing that a lot, which has been really cool. Uh, my brother and me joined like this nice golf club that's down the road from my house. And so I've been spending a lot more time with him, which is great. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, I've been trying to just find some sort of center in life because like all it has been for years and years is just bear tooth and like, or, and it, before bear tooth, it was attack, attack or making, producing records or mixing or whatever. So I don't know. It's been cool to kind of like focus on just my own mental well being for a minute and just trying to like calm down and, you know, take a step back. I think that's super healthy, dude. Uh, and I'd probably argue that that's probably going to pay out well in your music career in the sense of developing yourself in other ways outside of that. Um, so, so I guess here's my question now. Look, hopefully you guys can tour in 2021, but I don't think anyone really knows if that's possible at this point. And, and, and when we'd have yeah. a sense, especially, you know, bands like yours where... Uh, you're playing to maybe over a thousand people in a certain room if, if you're headlining at this point. So that's going to be more difficult than if you're playing to a couple hundred per se yeah. in, in a larger cap room. Um, so have you, have you kind of reassessed any sort of strategy as far as releasing music? Do you want to hold on to all of it because you're committed to an album format? Or, uh, I mean, have you thought about even just putting out some singles as a way to continue that relationship with the fan base right now to tie you over until a touring cycle? Uh, that's a great question. You know, we've, I mean, at least for me, like I've just kind of fallen off the face of the earth, which has been nice um, in a way. Like I love not having to do anything and um, I'm already terrible as it is with social media. Like the Instagram's the last thing holding on because I literally need to have something just for my job but um so you know i've just been kind of checking out but i i really don't know i think the the important thing to me is that when the record comes out we can still play some sort of shows um and like real shows not like live streams and yeah i'm sure we'll end up doing a live stream at some point uh there's talk right now of us doing a drive-in show, which for our band, I think is going to be hilarious. But I mean, I'm down. We get to play a gig and yeah, I don't know. Hopefully absolutely. it turns into a demolition derby or something. You never yeah. know. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're just trying to find ways to kind of like, uh, I guess, stay motivated and like just feel like the band still matters. Because after so long, it, you just feel beat down. But, you know, even little things like, you know, we got together and we did like album promos, like we just did the photo shoot for the record and like or, you know, working with our creative team on like album art, things like that. Just these little things that kind of still keep the wheels turning and keep us motivated. But I think, you know, when we come back, because it, because we're so focused on our live show and I think that is such an important part of our band uh, we'll probably wait to put out the full record when we know we can tour on it. 
And like that's yeah. because I I really want people to be able to like hear that record and then oh they're coming to town so I can go see the record live because that's that's still extremely important to me. But I mean I'm sure it's inevitable we're gonna drop some singles and probably do music videos and things like that. But um, I'm just hoping that sometime sooner than later we get some sort of answer because basically the record's ready. And it's just kind of like dialing it in, fine-tuning. You know, I've been working on mixing and trying to get better at mastering and little things like that. But when we come back, I mean, I would not doubt that we go on tour for like two years straight. That's that's my guess. But we have some great stuff lined up. I mean, hopefully everything's back in, uh, back in action by then. But, yeah, we got some really cool things. But I guess another thing to kind of carry on from there is uh, one thing I've been thinking about, because you were talking about how, you know, the format is going to kind of change. Hold on. Is my internet going? Are we there? You're good. We're we're good. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Sorry, I was just... (laughs) And, uh, you know, because the format is going to be different. I mean, you know, the tours we had booked, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to put on the same type of show yet. That's the thing that we're waiting on because we had a very specific like production, you know, like this light rig and staging and amps with fire coming out of them and all this madness. Like, will we will we be able to do that the same? I don't know. But I mean, honestly, for us, like even if we have to go back to a fucking van with like eight dudes and just grinding out like 200 caps. Like we're just dying to play shows, just absolutely dying. But hopefully, you know, we can still put on the show that we want because all the production and everything we have ready for some of these tours that we have lined up is awesome. It's real badass. I must say so myself, a lot of fire, a lot of big staging and cool arena shit. And I don't know. So hopefully we get to do it. I, you guys will. I mean, <clears throat> this isn't going to be forever. Um, yeah. The one of the things, one of the, one of the um, the rays of of light that I've been trying to see through all this, uh, and a comparison, I guess, is when you do tour so much. It's nice to be in a relationship, like with with my wife, because you spend a lot of time together, and then you get to go away. And when you go away, it reminds you how much you love about that person, how much you miss that person. It makes coming back like this beautiful reunion. Um, And it's like you're starting, you you get to like date again for the first time, you know, it's like this new thing. Yeah. Um, I've never, and I I can tell you've never really been in a situation in the past bunch of years where it's not about the wife now, it's about the the, the job, the touring. So whether you're in a van with, you know, eight dudes or you're playing at a drive-in, it's that same feeling of, of excitement that you get when you have time away to miss that thing, to, to, to realize how much passion and love you have for that thing. And then to be reunited with it in a, in a whole new way. It's like a whole new perspective, which I'm sure makes you excited to get back out on tour and everybody else who truly loves doing this. I mean, it's, Oh my God. I'm with you, man. I'm with you because, you know, we, we would get burnt out too. We would, you know, we, we did a lot of touring in the past year or two and like we were ready to come home for a bit and 
some of us more than others. I mean, Misha talks openly about it. I mean, he was, dude, he was ready to throw in the towel for a little bit on touring. I mean, he just yeah. wasn't sure if he wanted to do it anymore. And it's funny because the pandemic happens and we all are just like, it was a nice reality check. A big smack in the face yeah. of how much we do love it. And I've had, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you about this because I've personally had a lot of ups and downs throughout this whole experience. And even recently, you know, even have, after having a lot of good days, I've had a number of, of rough days where it's like, man, I like, I need a change. And I don't mean like going out to dinner, you know, or, or, or right. like going for a drive. I mean, touring has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember, you know, since 2006, probably. Yeah. Touring has been wow. a part of my life, right? 2006, 2007 with different bands and travel has been a huge part of my life and I can't do mm -hmm. those things right now. And I'm, I'm really yearning for that. Even if just for a week, you know, like my, my wife and I are, are going, um, her family has a beach house. We're going to go to the, to the beach house in a couple weeks, just the two of us. And I mean, even that just getting away and having a, a four different walls and that's, that's the thing that I, that I think I'm missing on one level. But then when I really put my, my mind to it and think about what it is that I, I am yearning for, it's like, it's being with the crew, it's being with the band, it's, it's playing the show. I mean, that's obviously the most important thing, but it's, it's, it's everything about being on tour. You know, it's, it's yeah. the, it's waking up in a different city and, going to a city that you've been to a ton of times and going to that spot for coffee, yep. which I've talked about a ton. It's just, I, it's a, it's amazing how much I find myself like having dreams about those things now, um, which I never really had before when I was doing them as often. So with that being said, I guess, you know, what I was curious about for you is have you, have you had some rough or dark days within this pandemic because of what your life has been like for so long, this unprecedented change. I mean, I'm glad you've, I'm really glad you've had a lot of things to focus on. Golf is a huge thing mentally, physically. It's fun too. It's a, it's an enjoyable thing. Music has been a focus, but I mean, have you had those days where you're like, fuck, like, I don't even know what to do with myself. Dude, I've had those like months, man. I mean, for real, yeah. it's just, because it was so abrupt and like we had a lot of crazy stuff happen regardless of just, you know, the COVID thing in our camp. There was like a lot of big shifts and moments and things going on and uh, a lot to process and not having, you know, even those one-offs. Like we had right. one-offs booked for like April. We had a, you know, like go out, see the gang. You know, we probably had a at least one or two one-offs every month, you know, just something to like get yeah. back with the guys and, you know, were, go out. Were you guys going to do like radio shows too around that? Yeah. Like yeah. Late spring, early summer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we had some like radio gigs. We weren't really doing tours, but um, we had a full tour book for the summer actually that we didn't get to do uh, in August. That was going to be like epic. And uh, that was a huge bummer. But, you know, I mean, I think for me, it's just like what you said, man. It's that 
shock. It's that shift of realizing that like, oh, I don't have this other side of my life that I spend, like I spend, you know, me and you probably both have spent more time on the road in the last 10 years than we have at home. And when that goes away, you don't realize how much it does for you mentally, how much it does for you physically. Um, Like, I mean, I didn't do jack shit physically for like two or three months. Like I was just laying on the fucking couch and just eating garbage and drinking a bunch of beer. And then like I start trying to like, you know, get back into, you know, doing vocal practice and doing like going out and exercising and working out and getting back in shape. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is so much harder when I'm not playing an hour set every night or at least like, you know, it's it's not exactly like taking a week or two off. Then you get back in, you're like, oh, I'm a little out of shape. It's like when you have a few months off of doing nothing for your body and then try and like kick back into it, you realize like how much that does for you. And I think it's the same thing mentally. Like, and, and everybody has, you know, their whatever touring is for them. It's like whether it's their job or their one of their hobbies or whatever. It's like touring, though consumes my life you know that is like i mean one of the big that's probably the biggest part of my life is touring is being out on the road traveling playing shows having a job to do shit like that so um yeah it's been rough in a lot of ways but it's also just taught me to kind of try and readjust and uh like understand that this isn't permanent as much as it may feel that way certain times um and I guess try and, like, find other just more normal ways to feel sane. Like, instead of, you know, playing a show, it's like go out and run in the morning, play some golf. Uh, I don't know, like, make a good meal. And it's just these, like, weird shifts that I'm trying to make. But um, it's definitely on the up. There was a lot of there was a lot of down for the first probably few months of it. But I'm starting to realize that, like, I don't know. There's a lot more I can do with my life than just sitting around and being bummed about shit, you know, even if I can't really do any of the normal things that I'm used to doing. Totally. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I was actually curious, like if you've over time developed a routine now, you you mentioned whether it's running in the morning or playing golf, but do you feel like now you, you have yourself on a bit of a regimented schedule? Like when we're on tour, there are there are slotted times every day where you need to be somewhere. There's a regimen to follow. There's flexibility in that. But I've always said that that regimen that I keep on tour, it's like it's I love it. It's like the best thing for me because it just it keeps mm-hmm. me focused and I'm I'm on the ball all, all day. I'm so much more on it, I feel like when I'm on tour because of those moments than I am when I'm home. So I'm curious if you've created that in some way for yourself now at home if you have sort of a a a dynamic now where it's like you know you wake up around this time you do these things which are your rituals you go to bed a certain time like have you have you fallen into that um i a little bit more recently i mean usually when i'm at home like i just do fucking nothing like when I'm on tour, obviously it's very regimented. It's like sound check. I'm there. I'm 
you know, checking the front of house mix. I'm mi- I, I mix our ears for everybody. So it's like, I have a job. I'm mixing ears. I'm practicing. I'm, you know, making sure I'm eating certain meals at certain times. So when I perform, it's, you know, I, I hit that sweet spot. And, yep. you know, when I first got back at what I usually do when I'm home, at least is like, you know, I'm up till three, four in the morning playing video games, watching TV, wake up whenever, grab a meal if I'm hungry, you know, because it's always so brief. It's always just that kind of like ultimate checkout, just reset the brain to get back into that regimented touring life. But uh, now, yeah, it's it's way more normal. Like I'm trying to find myself gigs or like kind of create gigs for myself. Like, all right, this week I'm going to remix this record that I mixed however long ago. So I'm going to wake up, you know, wake up, go for a run or wake up, play golf in the morning. And then like, all right, I'm going to do, you know, an hour of reamping and then I'm going to work on mixes and I'm going to try and give myself a deadline for this track and whatever. Um, So I'm trying to kind of get more into like a production routine of just giving myself like dedicated time to be in the studio. That's focused work and um, that's been huge. And it's honestly just made me get a lot better at producing and mixing, which has been cool. Because, I mean, to you, like, I realized after Beartooth started, I used to mix records and be working all the time. And then when Beartooth started, it took up so much time that I couldn't work with any other bands. I mean, I did like a handful of co writes, maybe since Beartooth started. I I don't think I've I don't think I mixed another band's album. I've I think I've mixed a couple of singles. But now I'm like trying to get back to my like second love, which is producing. Yeah. Which honestly is maybe my first love. It's like I love being in a band and stuff, but you know, producing and mixing, like that's my job. That's what I want. You know, that's gonna be my career until I'm retired. Cause I mean Beartooth can only go on so long. But um, well, yeah, it's rare so, too, getting, man. Like you, you have you have such a unique skill set to be able to to play so many instruments well, to have the knowledge of of that side, to have the knowledge of the technical side of it too. I mean, the 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 best producers in the world are the ones that are multi instrumentalists who really have a grasp of that. So I mean, it makes sense to me uh, that that would be a passion. You know, right. And what a blessing in a way to have that time home to focus. on. Oh, dude, it's huge. I mean, it really is like I've I've definitely turned the corner and realizing what a blessing this time was um, just for me and my job and my career and just for me mentally to like get so much time in uh, back into the working space again of like mixing and producing and writing music because, you know, I only write one record every two years. And I used to write constantly, you know, whether it would be writing for other people or writing for my band or whatever. I was always just working and writing and writing and writing. And uh, but then, it, you know, that turned into with Beartooth, like right when I'm home, tour is tour and that's it. And so now um, just being able to like, I guess, kind of get a taste of what life is like as a producer full time. Uh, has been cool and it's been very eye-opening and like this is what I want to do and it's confirmed that because you know if I didn't have this I would lose my fucking mind like I would have been going crazy crazier than I have been going since this whole shit went down 
So, uh, yeah, just trying to take it for what it is and, you know, soak up the blessing in whatever way it comes. That's what I've been thinking uh, for, for the past bit in this conversation. I mean, how fortunate for you, Caleb, in the sense that you have this, this broad set of skills as a musician to continue being a musician during a global pandemic. I mean, there's many other yeah. musicians who they may still be able to write uh, and, and maybe there's uh, you know, more responsible ways to jam with, with other people. But for you to be able to produce and to mix and to write your songs uh, and, and to play different instruments um, and to have the technology to, to support that uh, in a 2020 world. Um, I mean, aside from the live show experience, you really continue, you get to continue being a musician in the world. Um, yeah. And, and I guess you answered the question uh, earlier. Uh, I, I was thinking was, was you being like an engineer or, or someone, you know, a producer, someone who mixes, uh, was that something that was naturally interesting to you, uh, which you let us know it, it seems like it was? Um, because for some, it's just, it's their only way to produce music. I mean, not everyone has, has the financial means uh, to, to go to a studio when they want to. Mm -hmm. um, so, so people learn the technical skills just to continue being a musician. But the fact that you naturally love it and have gravitated, gravitated toward it and have even noticed yo, this is a way to be a working musician for my lifetime. Um, I mean, yeah. that, that sets you up really, really well, especially when shit gets rough like it has the past few months. Yeah, man, it, it's, been, it's been awesome. Like, you know, with I didn't even think, I mean, when I was a kid, like real young, uh, we went to this, we took like a field trip to a recording studio. And I've always been obsessed with music. I mean, it is the one thing that I'm for sure is somewhere in my DNA. Like my, you know, both sides of my family are very, very musically talented people, musically driven people. And um, it was just always something that was super, super important to me. And then, you know, I love playing. And then I was a kid and we like took this field trip to a studio, which I think way more schools need to do. And I was like, oh shit, like I want to be a session musician. Like this would be awesome. Cause I was like nervous. I didn't like being in front of people. And, uh, you know, obviously like ended up in the band world and being a front man and whatever, but you know, my first love is playing instruments, is playing drums, is playing guitar, bass, you know, whatever. Like singing is honestly the last thing on the list. It's just kind of where I ended up and I love to sing now, but you know, when I first did, I didn't even want to, it was just out of necessity. Like our band needed a singer and I could kind of get my way around it. And then I learned from there, but, um, you know, so then I was it really all kind of happened at the same time. Like I joined attack attack and we were a local band. And then very quickly we got signed, went and did our first album with Joey Sturgis. And I just sat behind his computer the entire time. I was just sitting there watching and it was like, this makes so much sense to me. Like I just got it. I understood what he was doing and how it, how it worked and how he was piecing things together. And then, you know, right when we left, I, got a laptop and I was like, Hey man, like I want to make demos. What would I use? And he was like, get Cubase. So I got Cubase and my life changed. That yeah. was like one of the most pivotal, pivotal moments of my entire life. And that was when I was 15 years old. So I started touring full time and learning how to record all at the same time. And it, you know, it started with just like, ah, I'm going to make demos. And then that became, Oh, I can manipulate 
the frequencies and mix and compression and you know and then i just went to youtube university and for two years of just like you know no sleep and sitting on a laptop with computer speakers just figuring it out and then you know start doing local bands and start getting a few signed band gigs and then producing our own records and um you know, I got really lucky that I fell in love with it when I did because I always knew that that was the long-term plan. And, you know, I've seen so many people in, in in the touring world and in bands that think, you know, like the band is it. Like, this is all I'm going to do, and that's life. And, I, you know, I was very, very fortunate that I found producing. So even at a young age, it was like, I was able to get a house. First thing I did was built a studio in the basement and started working and trying to get like real gigs. And it's like, no, I got a real studio now and I can do full records and I can house the bands. And um, yeah, I got real lucky and I'm just trying to like set up for the long term from a young age. And um, it's just something that, again, you know, to bring this whole thing back now in 2020 when the band is pretty much non-existent, um, it's cool to like, see how that panned out for me and uh it's just a massive fucking blessing and i'm really glad i made that choice you know i'm really glad you share that man and 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 look a lot of the people that are going to be watching or listening uh, to this conversation uh are musicians or creatives Uh, of course uh most that's not the their career or or the the ways that they're going to end up making uh most of their money over a lifetime but i mean some of the things that we're talking about, whether going to the beginning of the conversation and, and both of you talking about, like, yo, relationship building, being a decent, nice person within a business context uh, and things play out well long term. Uh, or you learning on the job. I mean, you were a member of a band uh, and it wasn't your responsibility to pay attention to the production process, but you chose to do that. And there's infinite ways that we can do that Uh in whatever creative community or profession that any of us uh, ever interact with. Um, Totally. I'm wondering, to me, it it seems intuitive that having a band like Attack Attack and maybe other bands prior to that uh, set you up to learn a lot for when you started the Beartooth Project. Um, So uh, clearly you learned a ton about the production process, but but I'm, I'm curious, even when you were in Attack Attack, for instance, were you paying attention and learning about other things, whether it was uh, branding or merchandising or uh, licensing and syncing uh, or uh, contracts, uh, touring and, and that business. Um, was that something that you, you, did you pay attention to these things in the sense of uh, wanting to be a sharp entrepreneur within music more generally? Yeah, um, the, the main things that I think I focused on in those early years was what did I like about touring with bigger bands? What did I not like about touring with bigger bands? Like, what did they do specifically? How did their crews treat us? How did they treat us? Um, Things like that. So that, you know, nowadays in the touring world, you like, if you're on a Beartooth tour, like, you're going to be fucking taken care of. And that is extremely important. That is a, like, no... There's no wiggle room on that policy. That is like very important for our camp. Anybody that works for us, any bands that we tour with, anybody in our camp at all, whatever, like we want to put together the best environment that we possibly can. And that's from, you know, like the honestly, the biggest one, the biggest tour we did that made me really think about that um, 
was we did a Slipknot tour uh, when Beartooth was pretty young. And I, you know, just couldn't believe it. We're like, it's fucking, it was us, Slipknot and Suicidal Tendencies. And I was like, there's no fucking way. This is completely out of our zone. And what is this going to be like? Are these guys going to be dicks? Like, we got to stay out of their way and make sure we don't fuck anything up. And they were the greatest touring party, period. I mean, they took they took such good care of us. It was like, you know, we were part of fucking Slipknot. I mean, their crew were so nice, so accommodating, you know, I, like down to every single thing. Basically, they're like, if you're on this tour, you've earned it. We chose you to be on this tour and we're going to treat you like you deserve to be here. And that's how it fucking should be. It's a great feeling. And I, and I will never forget that. Never forget that. So I've always taken that to heart. And um, then that's how we tour, you know, is if you're on our tour, whatever you fucking need, like, let us know. Obviously, there, you know, there are certain things that are just tough, but like whatever we can do to realistically accommodate, whatever we can do to help, to make you feel more comfortable, to hang out, you know, pizza parties, fucking what uh, little things like that, making sure everybody gets the rider. And um, it's just those little things go such a long way. So I think that was a huge thing I learned uh, when I was younger from focusing from a touring side of just like who I wanted to be. And then also, you know, you brought up contracts like that's that's a fucking big deal. That is so many years of your life that you are signing away to a group of people who are literally going to collect the money you earn from your music. They're going to try and manipulate your product into what they think is more marketable and a lot of times is what you think is less honest. Like, it's so fucking huge. And, you know, I got lucky enough when I was young to work with some great people and to learn what a good working relationship is, to learn what a bad working relationship is. And, um, you know, now, so I'm signed to Red Bull Records now. And, you know, it. and during that whole process of Beartooth getting signed you know, because it was wild. Honestly, when it started, I didn't think Beartooth was really going to be much of anything. And then, you know, people started catching wind and we're kind of, you know, then Tom, honestly, it was Tom started managing and then it was just fucking labels galore and all this stuff. And it, it all came down to who were the best people for the job. It was not about the numbers and because the numbers are going to come. And you're going to, you know, if you believe in your product and you're working real fucking hard, they're going to show up. It's about, are these people going to work with you to put out what you think is your most honest product, to put out what you love and something that you're willing to stand behind for years and years and years? Because, you know, the songs don't go away. The songs are going to be around forever. And, uh... You know, if you're with one of those labels or one of those management teams or whoever it is, that's like, we need this big radio single. We're going to make you go work with this producer or this co-writer and this person's going to mix it and blah, 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 blah. Like, if that's not if that's what you want, then great. But for a lot of people, it's not. And for Beartooth, it was really specific. You know, I we're sitting down with some really big labels and basically telling them. This is what it is, and it is not going to change. Are you okay with that? 
like actually okay with it. Like I, at the time I was 19 years old, I was like, I'm a 19 year old guy. Crazy. I'm going to write this music. I'm going to mix it. I'm going to produce it and you're going to put it out and you're going to trust it. Do you, where are you at? And you know, some labels got it. Some labels didn't. And that's where I landed on Red Bull is I felt like the team there and the people there understood what the point was. They understood that the point wasn't to get fucking enormous and make a shitload of money and be rock stars and big signing bonuses and whatever. You know, the point of this is to do something that I love for them to be involved with something that they love and they understand is an honest product and is really just a guy trying his best. And like, if I, if it fails because of me, I'm okay with that. But if it fails because, you know, there were so many cooks in the kitchen and there was so much work to try and manufacture this product that's dishonest that people can fucking see right through, then I, I couldn't live with that. And that's where, you know, I landed on that contract and with that company is because they got it. And I think that's something that a lot of people have a hard time realizing and that it, ta- it, it takes time to learn. And thankfully, you know, I had, like I said, I had a lot of situations where I was like, this is great working with this label. I had a lot of situations that were like, this is terrible working with this label. You know, when I was younger and growing up and being able to have that clarity when it came time to really making, you know, signing the biggest deal of my life, um, it was huge. And so, yeah, I guess if I could pass on any wisdom to people listening, whether that's and, and this isn't just for recording contracts. This is just a job in general. Like, yeah, you got to if you're just trying to do something you love and you have and you're, you know, you're blessed enough to be able to be in that situation where, you know, whether it's a creative job or whatever, uh, you got to be with people that fucking get it, that just understand what the end goal is. And if the end goal is just purely making a product that's going to make shit fuck tons of money and you don't really care about the quality of it, then it's rarely going to work because it's just this formula that, like, for, for creatives, people see right through it. Because, you know, music listeners don't listen to music most of the time because they're like, oh, this is some broad, generic, lyrical song with these same four chords and I can just it works so i'll listen to it it's like no people love bands like fucking nirvana and you know fucking metallica and like all the all these bands rage against the machine that were so big were so big because they put out real shit and they had people with them that believed in what they did and uh you know that to me is like all in all to bring this all back that's the most important part about being a creative is being surrounded by people that have that goal in mind of putting out the most pure, honest product possible. And if you do that and you truly believe in it, the success is going to come one way or another. And But if you're just chasing the success, then you're not going to be creative and it's just going to be bullshit. I couldn't have... Amen. I couldn't have articulated that better. Thank you. <laughs> that was, it was a bit of a rant, but I was on a roll there, so I just kept rolling with it. No, I, I mean... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I, it, you would fit well in periphery. Let's just put it that way. When, uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, when we were, when we were looking for new managers and we were deciding what to do about a label when we finished up with, with Sumerian, I mean, 
these these were the conversations we had with Sumerian during our whole career with you know mm-hmm. our whole our whole term with them and um, those guys are great. Ash is great, and he knew yeah. from day one even just how Misha negotiated the deal back in the day. He knew what he was signing up for. It didn't stop him from trying, but you know they'd come to us with this idea or that idea, and we'd be like, no. No, it's yeah. not what we want to do. It's just not what we want to do. That's just, and then yeah. when we found our our new, you know, our current manager, who now we, is not new, we've been with him for a while now. You know, we had that conversation that you know you basically mimicked exactly what we said. This is what it is. This is how we are. If that works for you and you're into it, fuck yeah. If not, no hard feelings. You know, and exactly. It's so important. It's so, I think people forget that though. Um, and maybe we're, we're at a time and I don't know, maybe this is, maybe I'm not right in this, but, and it's my own just perception of it. But I think we are at a time where enough people are saying the right things, like what you just said. And, and there is enough, there are enough voices out there, you know, making sure that we knock this into people's heads to where they're getting it. And there's, there's less Mm -hmm. of, of this, um, sort of, uh, I don't even know the word that I want to, want to use, but there's just, I think people are going to hold their ground a lot more and focus on creativity and they kind of have all the tools out there to be able to do this themselves, you know, and and make their own rules. So I'm hoping that uh, the point I'm getting to is I'm hoping that more and more people start, you know, adopting that mentality and, and hold strong to it. And there's less mm-hmm. people that are like, oh, but I want the glitz and the glamour and I want to be this and I want to, you know, be that. And it's like, hey, man, just fucking do it. Do what you want to do. Write a song. Anyway. Yeah. No, you just, I, you, trust you, me. Totally it, fucking agree. You said it. You said it beautifully. I think it. If anybody listening to this was on the fence about what to do. If they don't take anything else away from this conversation, it should be that. To help yes. them make their own decision about what direction to go, and mm. uh, and yeah, no, I thought that was, I mean, it was perfect. It's great to hear. One thing I was going to say, going outside of that, was, um, you know, for for someone like you who who is so passionate about production, you know, what a great. And I'm sure there's a lot others than just Joey Sturgis and Nick Raskolnikov, but I mean, what a great spectrum right there. You know, of, yeah. <laughs> of two guys alone to sit with and learn from because they, they have very different styles and different approaches. Um, but I was curious, I was going to ask you, you know, when you did work with Nick, if you had that same sort of approach of I'm in the studio with this legend, like I'm going to sit down here and watch every freaking thing that he does. I mean, it was I would imagine that was your approach working with him, too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, dude, Nick, I mean, Nick is, Nick is something else, dude. He is, the reason that I work so well with Nick, and I, I love that dude to death, and I will, I would all, I would work with him a thousand times over, um, is that he is just, he's the most truly passionate producer I've ever met, ever, and like, obviously, there's a lot of people who are really passionate, but I just mean as a music fan, like, this dude fucking loves rock and roll, mm-hmm. loves music. I mean, more than 
any producer I've worked with, and especially for it being a dude. I mean, this motherfucker has done Foo Fighters. He's done Rush. He has done. He worked at Sound City. It's like you name it. He has done it. Did that Deftones record that Corno uh, Yokan? I think. Oh yeah. yeah, fucking Deftones, Ghost. I I mean, yeah. it just his his resume is is bonkers. Yeah. And honestly, the way that I actually quick thing how I ended up working with him was um one a uh, Brett. The other manager besides Tom called me one day when I was kind of having writer's block. I was out working on the disease record in California and he's like, Hey, would you ever work with a producer? And I was like, I would, I said, but only a specific few people. Cause I didn't really want to work with a producer, but I, I was right. like, I, who did I say? I said, Butch Vig, uh, Greg Fiddleman, who just did the last Metallica record, who was also a fucking beast. And Nick Raskalinix. Just throwing out these names like there's no way in fucking hell that this would actually happen. And then like two days later, I ended up going and getting breakfast with Nick Raskalinix in L.A. And we just sat and talked about music for like fucking two hours. And then uh, I went over to a studio in Nashville and it was the same thing. The first day we didn't do anything. We just sat there and talked and just talked about music. We talked about life, talked about what I wanted to do with this album and it was it was perfect and what I realized is I was like holy shit this guy actually is obsessed with fucking music and then you know when so he his credit is executive producer on the record so basically what that even I mean who knows what that title means but essentially what he did for the album what he did for the record was I went in with like 20 some songs to his place for five days before I went in to like actually cut the record. So I cut the record at Blackbird. I did five days with him where we just listened to all these songs. And he basically was like, this is good. This is trash. This is whatever. Because my ear, it was just white noise to me. I'd heard these songs so many hundreds of times. I didn't even know it was good anymore. And, uh, you know, the way that we tested songs to know if they were like the right arrangements for the album is we just put it on the console, crank it way the fuck up. I mean, crazy loud and just rock out. And like, he was literally just sitting there just going fucking nuts. And if he would stop, he would stop the song and he'd be like, what the fuck's Mm. going on? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I stopped rocking. Something's wrong. We got to fix this. And that was our approach to uh, like coming up with the right compositions and whatever. And I've never experienced that before. And this is a dude who's, you know, he's probably 50-some years old. He's been doing records for 30 years. He still is just like, do I feel it or not? If he feels it, then it's good enough. If he doesn't, it doesn't make it. And then on top of that, obviously, there's like he's maybe the best engineer that's ever walked this fucking earth. And his engineer that works under him is equally incredible. His name's Nathan. He's fucking incredible. But, like... So just all those things I took, uh, it was such a different perspective. And it it just showed me that, like, you have to love what you do. You have to love what you do if you want to be the best. And that's it. Like, if you don't absolutely fucking love it with all your heart, it's really not worth your time when it comes to, like, a creative passion, you know? Give us yeah, a, give I, me I a mean, cowbell, Jordan. Cowbell. Yep. Fuck it. Yeah, look, I mean, look, I, I'd, creative passion, sure, but I'd argue that for anything. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with, say, being um, an accountant 
or uh, being a dentist, those are wonderful services, but like, you should really want to fuck with that. I mean, this is what ends up becoming your life. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. maybe a, a, someone's value system is just financial, uh, you know, providing financially for self and others, and that's the end-all be-all uh, as far as how you spend your time. Um, but, I, you know, I, at least for me, I, I feel like there's seven and a half billion people in the world. There's infinite ways that we can find ways to be value to some of them enough to make a living. So why not invest the time of your life doing something that truly makes you feel more alive? Dude, I mean, I could not fucking agree more. I mean, it's 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 weird saying it sometimes just because, like, I know I am so, so blessed. I mean, so, so blessed. Like, I happen to be in the right place at the right time for a lot of things. I worked very hard for a lot of things. But I know it's all, like... I'm a lucky guy. So, you know, it's easier for me to say, just do what you love and fuck everything else. Cause like, there is that reality. Like you were saying, it's like, we have to have fucking dentists and accountants and, you know, desk jobs. And like, these are important parts of life. But like, when you really fuck it, boil it down, when you really boil this shit down, it's like, we got one chance to have a life. And like, even the chances of us being born, I swear I'm not stoned. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just like fucking crazy. Like the fact that we get to live and breathe at all is remarkable. So it's just not worth half-assing it and wasting your time on shit you don't want to do. It's like, you know, an amazing thing that somebody told me, uh, John Feldman, actually, who's another producer I've worked with extensively over the years, is I was at a studio one time and I was like completely breaking down, just like. I don't know what happened, but I just snapped and I'm like crying in the vocal booth and like had a total fucking emotional meltdown. I was just super overworked and falling apart. And um, he sat me down and we were talking and he's like, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be sitting there wishing that you spent more time doing shit you didn't love, that you spent more time being anxious, that you spent more time being depressed or bummed out and not being proactive about it. He's like, you're going to be thinking about all the amazing times that you had in your life and how much you loved those moments. So you might as well do what you love doing. And he's like, and you're doing what you love. You are a fucking musician living your dream. So like, it's time to realize that. And that changed my life. It really did. And, uh, you know, it's just like, we really do get one chance in this life. So just find something that you love to fucking do and go after that shit head first and if you fall on your face, get up, fucking do it again, because it that's it. We get one chance, one life. Make it fucking, you know, make it work. I know it's getting a little philosophical, but, like, yeah. No, nah, dude, but, like, here, look, you, preference, you prefaced before, like, yo, just so you know, I'm not high right now. Like, I don't think we need to be doing that shit. Like, we need to be normalizing these kinds of mindsets. Uh, For sure. And, and it, it's, it doesn't Agreed. need to feel like... It doesn't need to feel hippy-dippy or, or, or anything like that or, like, pie in the sky, if that's still a fucking term. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> it's true. Like, I mean, look, yeah, we, we might have some uh, – we might have faith in, in, in what happens after this. But, like, for all we know, this is what we got. Uh, and mm-hmm. why not make the most of what we got right now? Um, it, I, it warms my heart to hear that about John Feldman. Um, I mean, I was a huge Goldfinger fan when I was younger, yeah. and then a, a really big fan of, of his production work. 
um, you know, in the early 2000s with a lot of the bands that, that he started yeah. working with. Um, and I think a lot of it for me was I just felt some connection to him. Uh, and you sharing that story, like, I guess, affirms uh, uh, something at a gut level that, that attracted me to him beyond just the music he made. Um, Yo, I fucking love sick, that. Man. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, man. Dude, and I um, love what you just said. That That is so true. Like, we do need to just normalize, like, realities of life and what we have and, like, it not being fucking a kitschy thing to, like, be stoked to be alive. Like, it's fucking incredible. And, yeah, man, that's, that's big. Dude, what a gift to be alive and how disrespectful to that gift and to ourselves to not spend the privilege of our lifetime to do something that lights us up. Right. Fuck yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I think we should also normalize thinking about death. I do that often. I love that Feldman shared that uh, because yeah. thinking about death uh, isn't morbid. I, I think it gives us gratitude for the the gift of life. It, it pulls sure. at the other end of it. Yo, it's huge, yeah. man. It's huge because like that. It's just so true. It's like for all we know, this is it. We get one fucking ride. Right. It's like you want to boil it down. We get one ride. Make the fucking best of it. Because when it's over, you're not going to be sitting there thinking that shit about like, God, I wish I would have worried about that more. You know? No. You're going to be thinking like, man, I wish. I, like, I remember how fucking kick ass that night was when we played that show, and then we all went and hung out and got pizza, or or when I accomplished this goal of mine, or whatever the fuck it may be, big or small. It's like that's what's going to matter. That, that, I think about that when it, when it does apply to things like anxiety or like something that I worry about that's so trivial, you know, I'll spend time worrying about this like one thing that like does not fucking matter. And it's good to get a reminder of like, when you're on your deathbed, are you going to fucking, you're going to be pissed at yourself for spending minutes or longer thinking about this fucking dumbass thing that didn't matter. It's just, it. It's good to hear. It's good to think about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as we start to as we start to wrap this up, uh, I apologize if I've shared this uh, prior on on one of these uh, podcast episodes. Um, but look, the two things I've always been most naturally attracted to since I was a really young kid is you know music and pro wrestling. And uh, throughout Hell my yeah. life, I've got I've got to live out a ton of my dreams. As a musician, uh, performing on stage for people that gave a fuck um, to offer the privilege of their time and their energy and their money uh, at a show. Um, with pro wrestling uh, a few years ago, I, you know, I, I worked for, for uh, Ring of Honor Wrestling. I, I got them to create a leadership position for me. Um, and at the time, they were the number two wrestling company uh, in the Western world, at least. And I was so fucking terrified to ask. Now, I had already developed the relationship with the COO. I, I put in intentional work to put myself in a position to make it more likely that I would get a yes when I asked for a real opportunity. But I was fucking terrified. I was terrified of what that meant to the other careers that I spent time building. Uh, I was terrified of being rejected. I was terrified of jumping into an ocean that I'd never swam in before. All kinds of different uh, reasons why. And, and it really took imagining myself lying on my deathbed and feeling the pain of regret for not fucking trying. And as soon oh, as yeah. I had that experience, uh, that got me over the hump to make a plan. You know, tomorrow at 1 p.m., 
I'm giving this man a call and telling him I'm ready to contribute at a high level. And that's what I did, but it really took uh, the, the feeling of, yo, when, when my time is done, and if I get the privilege of a deathbed to reflect on how I spent the privilege of my time, uh, how am I gonna feel? And, and now that I did the pro wrestling thing on top of doing a, a bunch of music, like I feel fucking good about uh, what I've done. There's shit I wanna do, there's shit I still wanna be doing, but, but I feel like, man, at this point in my life, uh, like I did it, and that feels good. Mm-hmm. You gotta say That's yes. It's huge. You gotta say yes, right? If, Fuck, you even, yeah. if you even want it this much, don't let the fear take over. And, and I apologize for saying this over and over, and Jordan, you might know what I'm gonna say, but our doubts are traitors, and that's, that is, a, that is a, a quote I live by. Our doubts are traitors that make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. And you don't know this, Caleb, but that was when I was in university, I took an acting 101 class, and that's what the teacher said the first day. He was like, if you don't learn anything else from this class, memorize this quote and apply it to anything you do in life. Our doubts are traitors. Yeah. And, and that's what it was all about. And um, I, fuck, man, I... I had an experience with John Feldman that was like one of those moments. And I've, t- I've probably have told this story on the podcast too, but long story short, I'm with a friend. Um, I don't know if you know Brandon who used to work with John. Um, as oh yeah. So I'm with Brandon yeah. and we're at a Pinkberry and it, John calls Brandon and is like, Hey dude, know any drummers? And he's like, I'm standing right next to one. So <laughs> he's like, cool. Does he want to do a session right now? Bring him in. And it was like one of those moments where it was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know what I'm about to record. I don't, I don't even have drumsticks on me. I don't have a drum set. Do I say yes? And it was like, yeah. what do you do? And as much fear and doubt as I had, I had that quote going in my head. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go do this. I, you know, I love John Feldman. I love everything he does. Long story short, I walked in there and it was um, all time low was there. And I, I grew up with those guys. They're, they live right you know, down the road. So yeah. it was like, oh, this isn't scary. And then John's like, <laughs> oh, you guys know each other? Cool. Go in the tracking room and sit on the drums. And it was, yep. I mean, it was like, it, it was one of, I, I still, I've said this so many times before, but it was like my favorite drum tracking session that I've ever done. I didn't know the music. I didn't know what I was getting into. And it was the only session I've ever done like that. He was in my ears the whole time telling me what to play right before I played it and not letting me stop. And it was exhilarating and fun and it worked out great. And it it built so much confidence. It gave me so much confidence to be able to say yes to more opportunities like that. And it's opened more doors, not because that opportunity specifically led me down a path through networking, but the the experience gave me the confidence and you know, the gall to be able to say yes to more things when they're in front of me and to go for it. So I don't have regrets. And I, I can't, I'm just so thankful of opportunities like that, that one in particular to work with people like that. It's just, you know, Mm -hmm. not to go on a John Feldman, but he's a, he's a pretty special dude when it comes to motivating people, you know? Yeah, dude. I, it's so funny that you have a story like that about Feldman. Well, first off, you now, like, I know that you know what it's like to track drums with fucking John Feldman. It is the craziest experience in the world. Yeah. It is just fucking 
high octane, the most caffeinated, like, play this beat. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Click starts fucking just play, yeah. which is nuts. But, uh, dude, honestly, how, like, dude, I owe Feldman so much. Like, he called me right when I quit Attack Attack. He called me, and he was like, hey, I want you to move to L.A. I want you to come work with me. Like, you start writing with wow. me, I work on my projects. And I was like, uh, yeah. And I just said, yeah, I had no idea. And he was like, all right, send me a fucking thing of all these songs. And there happened to be some Beartooth songs in there. And then he was like, what is this? And then he's like, hey, I'm working with this new label, Red Bull. And, you know, long story short, it's like he was, you know, one of the huge reasons I got signed at all and gave me confidence for Beartooth. But had I not said yes to wanting to work with him and then ended up sending him the songs and shit, I would have missed out on what Beartooth is now. So you got to fucking say yes. You just got to do it because it, it comes out in so many different ways. Yeah. You never know. You never know what, where it's going to end up. And the story uh, probably very similarly to your story. It's like how you got here is a very straggly, crazy, line that you could never redraw but that's the beauty of it and that's why you can't just fall into a a a formula or like you know building blocks that that work for everybody it it doesn't it doesn't work for everybody you know you gotta just take advantage of your opportunities do what you love and hopefully it if you're doing what you love, there should be no rush to get to the end and enjoy where it takes you because every time you say yes to something, you're going to have even more opportunities to do cool shit. And yeah, that's what it's about. So 100%. 100%. Yeah, thanks, man. This was awesome. I, I, I definitely enjoyed getting your perspective on, on things and hearing what you're doing and hearing kind of how you approach this time. And I, I'm excited to see what music comes out of this. You know, I think... Um, if your music is, is a reflection of where you are as a person, then it should be the best shit yet. You know, that is my hope. That is my hope, man. And like, I know, you know, most people, every time they have a new record, they're like, oh, this is the best one. But like, no, this is the fucking best one. Like, I'm so ready for this new music to come out. Holy shit. I'm looking forward to it. Man, I just want people to fucking hear it. But yeah. That's awesome. Well, that shit that I you know. wrote for uh, for GGD. People, are, by the way, people are gonna Dude, like. Yes. People are gonna listen to this and be like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" Because it's we All had right. to talk. You know, we won't <laughs> talk about it yet. But even that yeah. was like, "Fuck yeah!" I sent it around to to Nolly and I sent it around to the other guys, and they were like, "This is sick." So if it's anything, if it has any of that uh, that energy and aggression to it that Dad had, then um, you're gonna have a killer album on your hands. So. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Well, I'll make sure to send you something. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. Jordan. Yeah, let's take this shit out, guys. Um, well look, the uh the secure the circ oh I always fuck circuitous roots of our individual lives has brought us all together over Zoom during a global pandemic. And uh, for a podcast in the namesake of a French pastry, uh, and honestly, I leave this conversation uh, with more energy. I feel inspired uh, to continue executing and even like just, uh, pushing the gas harder on the things that I'm trying to uh, make happen in my life. So uh, to you, Caleb, to you, Matt, I want to thank you both publicly uh, for uh, sharing the past 90 minutes with me. Uh, and Caleb, uh, for taking the time to come on with us. Thank you, man. You are 
Oh. Fucking uh, uh, a diamond in the rough, my friend. I appreciate that, Jordan. Thank you much. Very nice to meet you. And seriously, guys, thank you for having me. At any fucking time, you let me know. I'm here. Thank you, brother. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash chocolate or listening on your podcast app, uh, we thank you for hanging with us. Uh, we do not take your attention uh, lightly, quite frankly. Um, Facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. Oh, I'm getting kind of uh, intense with that cowbell. Um, it's our private Facebook group. Uh, if you're listening to me right now, uh, you're welcome to join us there. It is a private, uh, global, supportive, creative community of a bunch of people interested in interesting things uh, and, and most importantly, self-improvement. So that is where we hang out. Uh, hang out with us there. Uh, hey, we never fucking asked this, but uh, like on your Apple podcast or whatever else, like leave a rating or on YouTube, subscribe. We don't ask for much. Uh, we do this because we love it, but uh, y'all know what the fuck it does for us. It, it helps get these conversations that we're trying to normalize uh, out there much more than, than, than it may be at this point. Uh, that is it. His name is Caleb. He has a band. It's called Beartooth. Uh, go fucking check them out. He's got a bunch of music. It's coming out some point. Uh, maybe be responsible. <laughs> Stay the fuck home. We'll wear a mask so this guy can uh, get out on the road again. Uh, that's it. All right. I'm going to hit the cowbell one more time. I'm going to throw the mallet across the room. Uh, I got a half a banana. I'm going to slam it on the floor. I made a fucking mess, uh, but we'll see you guys next time. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs>